heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Uh, we need to talk about I- election integrity and uh, the, the validity of what's happened since the last election. Uh, what have we solved? What haven't we solved? And how are we positioned coming into 2022? Uh, part of the problem is we don't ever seem to fix the problems of the previous because people have short memories and they forget what happened. And a lot of times as well, we always think, well, that next election is a couple of years away. So and then we forget about it, right? We file it away. Uh, you know, Americans really do have short memories and we need to remind them today. And, you know, my fellow Americans, we need to remind them every day that the integrity of our elections uh, are so vital and so important. And, you know, everybody should be about that. This shouldn't be a partisan conversation. It really should not. Left, right, center, everybody should want that. If we are the picture of democracy around the world, if America is all of that, if we are the shining city on a hill, then shouldn't we at least get that right? Well, I don't think we've done a spectacular job of that in these past couple elections, and who knows how long this is going on. But when you look at a lot of the problems we've had coming through that, I think right now, uh, many millions, tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions of Americans would be unsettled with the way our election systems are running. And they would say that 2020 was not fair or accurate. And again, we, we don't have to get all that partisan with it. Let's just have a conversation. Doesn't always have to be that way. Uh, so let's let's do that today. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we, we also got some very interesting news about uh, the state of Florida that is being looked at right now. Right now, the eyes are on Arizona, Georgia, and many of the other states are still being argued and debated. Nothing's resolved from 2020. But while all that's going on, there are other states which people think are safe, which may not be safe. We'll talk about that today as well here. Uh, We'll get on. We'll have Laura Loomer on the program here. We'll have Kathy Chamberlain. And I want to start here up front here with Matt Brainard joins us. Uh, He is the executive director of Look Ahead America. He's the former director of uh, data and strategy for the Trump campaign, a president of Brainard Group. It's a political and digital strategy firm. Uh, And uh, I I love this Look Ahead America is terrific. And that, that's a place to start because what you're doing, Matt, is outstanding. But let me let me read to folks this. I, I just like this copy. Let me so let me give you some context here, folks, as to what Matt is up to when he talks about this. Look ahead, America. Uh, and and it goes like this. Their mission. There are millions of rural and blue collar patriotic Americans who are disaffected and disenfranchised from the nation's corridors of power. Isn't that the truth? Uh, Their fears ignored, their priorities dismissed, their values ridiculed. They've become cynical and pessimistic about a government that so often does not hear their voices. Our mission is to register, educate, and enfranchise these disaffected citizens and ensure that their voices are not just heard but heeded and that the American dream becomes their dream again. 
and will organize and guide patriotic citizens and lobby in their state legislatures and local governments on America First initiatives like fighting corporate censorship and ensuring voter integrity. That mission, Matt, speaks to me wholeheartedly, and it speaks about our mission and what we talk about at America Out Loud every day. And so I congratulate you for that and welcome you to the program here, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. So we we'll start there, and you have now you put out. Um, I, I want to talk about this. Uh, let's let's get right into the core of this, because I want to play some audio for you and engage you a little bit. Uh, black box voting is a term that uh, you're using here, and it's uh, black box versus open source voting. I want to explain the difference of that because then we'll bring in uh, companies and names that people know about, like Dominion, and another name they may not know about, ESNS which is a sister company of Dominion, I understand here. And you did a report on this. Can you elaborate on that, please? Sure. So there are several public policy initiatives that Look Ahead America has developed to help secure our elections and to restore confidence in the elections. And our number one priority is to replace all of this black box voting equipment with open source voting equipment. Now, I understand that if you haven't heard those terms before, it, they don't mean anything to you or they just sound confusing. But simply put, black box voting equipment are machines where the software, the code that they run on, and the schematics of what's inside them is a corporate secret. So not nobody in the public, nobody in the state governments are allowed to examine it to make sure that it's secure, to make sure it can't be tampered or hacked. And the truth is that most of the election equipment used in our, in our country to tabulate votes, to adjudicate votes, to create ballots is run on black box voting equipment. Our solution is to replace all of it with open source voting equipment. That means that the software, the code, the hardware, all of that is available for public examination. And the way I like to put it is that you know, open source is like a glass box. There's no place to hide a secret entrance or a trap door in a glass box. And I believe that this will go a long way to making our elections more secure, to restoring confidence in our elections, to bringing down the cost of voting equipment and to creating more home state jobs. Because the, one of the problems with black box voting equipment is that the only company that can maintain it, repair it, update it, is the company that created it because they're the only people that have access to the code and to the schematics. And many of these companies, not only are they not likely based in the state that purchased the equipment, Many of them aren't even based in the United States or are owned by foreign governments. So with open source voting equipment, that equipment is allowed to be fixed and repaired and opened up and uh, updated by anybody with, this, with the data to do so or, or the, the technical competence. And that creates the opportunity for home state jobs rather than being dependent on a foreign state or a foreign country uh, to do that very expensive uh, maintenance. Yeah, Matt, this is really the core of the problem, what you're talking about right now. And it's important, and I just want to slow it down a little bit. I want everybody to understand what we're talking about. This is huge. This is very, very big. Because let's understand first the term black box voting, as he says, black, so black box voting. So the secrecy surrounding Matt, black box voting. So we talk about Smartmatic, Dominion, ESNS, and there are many others, correct? Oh, that's correct. But those are kind of, those are the big threes. That's those it. Are the big three. All right. So we've got those and there are, and there are others. There's a list of these and these are proprietary of uh, uh, 
packages, if you will, software, uh, machines, I guess it's hardware and software. Uh, they're being, op right, being operated. And what Matt said there is so vital because we've reported on all of this. We, we've had all the players on the program here to talk about this throughout the 2020 election. And remember, a lot of these people, whether it was Dinesh D'Souza, whether it was Sidney Powell, or these people were talking about the fact that, uh, you know, remember you were hearing the words Venezuela. People were here in Venezuela. They were hearing about countries in Europe and others where people were saying, well, why were these countries involved in our election system? Now, the problem is when a lot of this started to surface and there was conversations, Matt, about, uh, okay, these boxes being connected to the internet. That was a real hot button for a lot of people. You remember that, right? That's and, correct. And they argued, well, there really wasn't. They, they, they were arguing back there wasn't. They weren't connected to the internet, but we know that they were. And even to this day, you can't get truth out of anybody, which I guess is which is where you come in and the work that you're doing here uh, at the organization. So black box voting means the secrecy because they're proprietary things. We don't have access to that. That's been part of the problem in Arizona. They've been fighting to get all that. In fact, it happened in Michigan as well. Uh, it happened in Maricopa County, happened in, uh, in, in, in throughout Michigan. Uh, wasn't that the problem, Matt, there? Well, the thing is with black box voting equipment, there's a contract that the state has to sign. We actually have copies of this where the state is not allowed to open the machine up. They're not allowed to attempt to reverse engineer the software. They don't, they're not allowed to have any real understanding of what's happening inside those machines. And you and I both know that uh, we've probably used a Microsoft Windows or some other piece of proprietary software, black box software like Windows. We've experienced viruses, bugs. It's easy to hack. And what we know about these machines is that you know the University of Princeton did, did a study and found that not only can they be hacked, but they can be hacked without you knowing. And there's no way to have confidence that these machines, A, are not being hacked, or B, are, are not susceptible to it because nobody's allowed to examine the source. So code Matt, why do you think that is? Why are they so insistent? Have you, have you asked anybody or do you know anything for like, why is that part of the process where, as the state, you can't have access to any of that information and it's such secrecy? Well, I, I know the reasons, and there are two reasons. Reason number one is, my, and this is, this is not up for debate, reason number one is that as long as it's proprietary and black box, no one has access to it, only that company can maintain it. So when they sell you the voting machine, they're not just selling you the machine, they're selling you a service contract for the next 20 to 30 years. Wow. That is a tremendous amount of, uh, that's a tremendous amount of money for them. And, you know, I can tell you too, that I'm not going to name the company because, you know, we've gotten, we've gotten nasty letters and we've sent nasty letters back. But one of these companies used their patents as collateral to get a cash infusion from a Chinese-run bank. Now, if these, if, if the United States were to decide to, you know, we're going to require open source software, how much do you think those patents are going to be worth that they that they gave up as collateral for a, for basically a cash handout from a Chinese bank? They'll be worthless, at least in the United States. Yeah. What's happening, Matt, to your point, I just want to add is, it, and I love the way you just put that out there and you parse the words accordingly, because 
what's happening is a lot of these black box companies are suing everything that moves. If you, mm -hmm. and, and you're right. And I, you just said it perfectly. So we can talk about the problem without talking about a name in any one specific. And I, I, I commend that because nor do I want to get in hot water here by uh, accusing this, that, or the other. And because they sued everybody, they sued Giuliani, they sued Powell, they sued everybody. I mean, hundreds right. of people. I mean, we've gotten, we've gotten two, I've gotten two letters wow. from Dominion wow. and they weren't, they, they, here's the thing about Dominion's letters to me. They couldn't say that I made any false accusations against them because they never have, right. but they're, they're afraid of me and look ahead America advocating for open source voting equipment. That's why they sent those letters to me. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, we're actually, you know, incidentally, we're suing Dominion Voting Systems in Ohio mm -hmm. as part of our process to prevent uh, one of the counties there, Stark County, from purchasing it. But I didn't get to my second reason why they're fighting so hard against this. And the second reason is I believe is that if the public could see the code that these machines are running on, and how poorly that code is written, how easy it is to exploit, how easy it is to hack, they would be in, those companies would never get another contract again. So those are the two reasons I believe they're fighting this so hard. That's incredible. Uh, and the black box voting process, uh, you know, when you look back at the 2020 election, and many people would argue, Matt, even the, the big uh, election before that in 2016, there's a lot of edginess and controversy to that as well, even though it had the outcome that it did. We understand that there were a lot of shenanigans played there as well. So when you look at the history now, black box voting, as we're calling it, and I like that term a lot, Matt. I, I really uh, like that because it isolates the whole problem in the whole industry without isolating a particular company. So you're talking about the whole movement. It's, it's ingenious to do it this way and call it that. So I've learned something new in the way you're phrasing that. And but wasn't I mean, in your opinion, in your professional opinion, looking at these last couple elections again, I mean, isn't this part of the problem or part of the questions or the quandary of the uncertainty of an election that we're having when you look at all the reports that have come out from these? Isn't that something where obviously there's a lot of smoke there? And I guess a lot of Americans would say there probably is some fire there. And what is that fire? I mean, that is the core of the problem, is it not? I think that the, you know, let me put it this way. Voting fraud is a problem when it occurs. But as much of a problem as voting fraud is the suspicion that voting fraud affected the outcome of the election. That is just as dangerous. Okay. And, uh, you know, I have video footage and it was on HBO of, uh, now Vice President Kamala Harris saying she witnessed black box voting equipment being hacked and manipulated yep. right before her eyes. She said that. We've had other Democrats, you know, we're not a partisan organization, Democrats, Republicans, but especially Democrats and progressives saying that these machines are susceptible to hacking. And there was a whole documentary on HBO about it called uh, Kill Chain, How to Hack an Election, um, where you had one progressive after another. Now, their fear was that, you know, these companies would you know, be hacked and, and deliver the election for a Republican. But one thing, and what's great about this issue is it's, it's one of the rare opportunities I think we have for bipartisanship because both, both parties and people who are not part of any party have long raised issues with black box voting equipment. And, you know, beyond just the fact that it's, you know, a, you know, there's security issues is the fact that, you know, are we trusting our elections to a corporation with secrets that 
affect the outcome of the election that we can't access. So there's sort of an anti-global corporation attitude when you, you know, start talking to progressives about black box voting equipment. So this is, this is an issue that has a lot of different angles and it has the rare opportunity to be a bipartisan issue because we have the left on the record, you know, senators, congressmen, you know, the first, there was legislation introduced in the U.S. Congress a few years ago to mandate that all election equipment in the United States be open source. It was introduced by a Democrat named Rush Holt from New Jersey, and his background was not as a lawyer or somebody who's worked his way up the ladder politically. His profession was scientist, specifically a physicist, mm. a Democrat, a liberal Democrat. So this is a real opportunity for some bipartisanship and to get something done and to put the stake through the heart of these disgusting global corporations that are selling us these overpriced garbage voting machines. And we're going to tear them out by the wires everywhere we can. Yeah. And they're trying to control our elections on that basis. Uh, When you say the left, uh, that you're right, many of them are on record with that. And I love the way you said what you just said, even about the comments from Kamala Harris and also uh, the other liberal that you were just pointing out here with it. That's a beautiful thing. And there are many who've said that, but why aren't they saying it now, do you think? Because we don't hear those voices now, Matt. Why is that? Um, I think it's a lack, I think it's a lack of intellectual honesty, perhaps, Mm. maybe. But, you know, I think when push comes to shove, we, you know, we, we may actually be able to get some of them to sign on to it. And we don't need all of them. We just need one or two that just has a little bit of integrity, has an interest in reducing costs, has an interest in creating home state jobs. And uh, just doesn't want the elections controlled by these foreign corporations um, who, when you ask them, hey, what happened with this machine? Why did, you know, how did it tabulate the votes this way? Or what was the technique? And the corporation, the CEO comes before a state, uh, a state legislative committee or the U.S. Congress and says, eh, sorry, we're not going to tell you this corporate secret. Take a hike on the machines that you spent hundreds of millions of dollars on. And I'm not kidding. The state of Louisiana was looking at spending hundreds of millions of dollars on Dominion voting equipment until we got involved. And we're still engaged in that fight, but we at least hit the pause button and we're trying to fight as best we can to convince them that open source software and hardware design is the way. And that is not, I want to be clear because some people, sometimes people get confused. They go, well, what about paper ballots? Well, black box voting equipment, Dominion voting equipment in the state of Georgia, for example, it was all paper. There was paper for all of it. In Arizona, there's paper for all of it. That's what they're counting. Paper is inescapable as part of any mail-in or early voting um, because, you know, it has to be mailed. Um, so we're not, you know, pretty much everything we're doing right now, whether it's open source or black box is on uh, paper. However, if, if somebody is insistent, they think they can pass legislation that says, you know, we're only going to, we're going to have the election done on paper ballots. And they're going to be counted by hand and it's all going to be manual. They're not going to use any machines at all. We're just going to use abacuses and chalkboards, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that is fundamentally open source. So we don't really object to it. That's not really in conflict with what we're doing. But I think when you have to count millions of ballots in a matter of a few days or one day, um, it's pretty much impossible to do that without mechanical assistance. And we're insisting is that that mechanical assistance not be a corporate secret, but be uh produced in such a way that anybody who wants to can examine the software and hardware to be assured that there's no funny business and that that it's being, it's not hacked. There's no bugs. So it's miscalculating things. It's not misreading a vote because the ballot was folded in half, which Mm -hmm. we've seen happen in a few cases. So, you know, it's really just about restoring confidence in the elections and securing the elections. 
So to be clear, when we say open source voting, Matt, we're really not changing anything structurally or what have you. What we're doing is we're saying that we really don't want folks using these proprietary, secure, exclusive sort of systems and contracts. Uh, you may use others' uh, uh, systems, but they're open source, meaning you can get into them. You can see what's going on. It, like you said, it's almost like a glass box that you'd be looking at. That's the reference? That is exactly correct. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the reality is that you talk to security experts and you survey them over and over again. You do scientific studies on this. Open source software is vastly more secure. Now, open source doesn't mean anybody can hack it. It's actually exactly the opposite. It basically becomes impossible because any potential flaws are immediately eliminated and can be resolved and fixed quickly. Um, so, you know, they still use passwords to protect information or, you know, other means of security, of securing it. Uh, but how that security works and everything like that, it's, it is, it is uh, publicly available. So anybody can, you know, be assured that uh, there's no, there's no hidden router in there. There's no way for it to communicate over the internet illicitly or, you know, to have something else happen that, that would compromise an election. But you, but you think with the open source, it's harder to hack it and all of that. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, look, you know, forget about voting equipment for a moment. You, you hear in the news about all these hacks happening, um, all these exploits where data is being stolen. These are happening on proprietary systems. Most of the nation's secure um, computers are run on open source software. Most websites are run on secure open source software like Linux, um, like Apache, uh, like MySQL, all those things. The, the real problems you find are in the spaghetti code that's produced by companies like Microsoft and others, um, where you nobody can examine it. It's who knows, you know, how, how many exploits are in it. And eventually hackers find them and eventually, you know, they start causing havoc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I want to, if we don't fix the system, I mean, what we're talking about right now is really exciting to me because what you're doing here is bringing it back at your organization, Look Ahead America. Again, you're, you're nonpartisan. You're a 501c3. Yeah, Matt? Uh, that is correct. So, yeah. you know, we don't support candidates or parties or anything like that. Right. So you're in it for the integrity of what we're speaking about. And I think this is the perfect thing, this uh, report you put out about black box voting uh, versus open source voting. I mean, if you want to fix the problem, if we really want to fix elections, we have to get to the core of the problem. Now, this was a big piece of the election problem, but it wasn't the whole problem, Matt, back in 2020. I mean, there was a litany list of things. I mean, everything from, you know, uh, illegal people voting, uh, dead people voting, double, triple ballot voting. I mean, there was a list of many, many things that were uh, subjected to fraud in the election. Is that correct? Um, we were able to identify many fraudulent ballots. The Voter Integrity part Project, which is now part of Look Ahead America, is something that I started in the aftermath of the general election. Okay. And we analyzed uh, seven, I know, six different states, seven different analyses on each one, things that have never been done before. And using this, these techniques, solely looking at people who are casting ballots, we were able to identify um, more than the margin of victory in key states like Wisconsin and Georgia and Arizona and very likely Pennsylvania. So we're continuing to do these analyses and do supplemental research. We've already released our final report from Georgia where we're able to, I think, beyond a reasonable doubt, confidently document that the number of illegal ballots surpassed the margin of victory. 
we've, I can tell you now the Wisconsin report we're about to release, we've done that doubly. So, um, and after we demonstrated it further in Arizona, uh, what that means is that if the number of illegal ballots surpassed the margin of victory in Georgia, Wisconsin, and Arizona, the presidential winner becomes unknown and unknowable because suddenly you have a tie in the, uh, in the electoral college. So um, with that, I, th I think it really underscores that, you know, the, while Biden might be the, in the Oval Office, he's only the, uh, you know, we, we don't have any confidence that he was actually fairly elected. Right. Well, and, and that has been, we talked about this on the weekend on our news magazine as well, the integrity of this and looking at all, a lot of these previous elections, we, we've been on this and looking pretty uh, sharply right now at Arizona is uh, the closest. Uh, and we understand there's some uh, um, vital uh, breaking news to probably be coming out of Arizona in the days ahead, or at least this is what we understand. Let me ask you straight out, Matt. How confident are you or not where we're at right now, heading into the midterm, the, the, the so important, the 2022 election where the House and the Senate is, it, it, it hangs in the balance, if you will, and then again, getting ready for the next general election in 2024. How, how confident are you at this moment? Are we doing enough or not? I think that what matters is restoring the confidence of patriotic Americans that their votes count. And I don't think that many of them will be too keen to show up and vote if that confidence is not restored. Now, look, I do believe that illegal ballots affected the outcome of the election. I think I've proven that. But what I can tell you that had a bigger impact by a factor of 100 to 1,000 times in states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, was that for the last generation, and especially the last four years, the left has done a much better job than the right has in registering their core voters in the urban centers of the country. The right has made pretty much no effort at voter registration or what I consider a look at America to be a, we're, we're America first community organizers. That's what we are and what we do. And the first responsibility of a community organizer is to get your people registered to vote and to turn them out. So the left, doing that so aggressively for the last four years, I think far surpasses the impact any illegal ballots had on the election. However, again, you know, that's a tough argument to have among people who believe the election was stolen. So look at America's taking the lead in what we can do to restore that confidence on a number of fronts. Number one is that we are organized in in I'd say majority of the states, about 35 states now, and we have volunteers in all 50 states, but we have volunteer leadership teams in over 30 states. And they're leading the way for voter integrity reforms in their state legislatures. We're not really getting anything done in Congress, not anything good anyway right now in, in Washington, DC, but we still have a lot of strength in the state legislature. So getting them to pass our public policy initiatives or to at least consider them um, and then incorporate them into legislation is, would be a win for us and a way to restore that confidence. We are also continuing our research in the 2020 general election, documenting illegal ballots there. Ahead of the 2022 election, we're going to be sanitizing voter lists in key states, identifying voters who do not belong on the list anymore because they're dead or they're moved away or are otherwise illegitimate, and to prevent those, their, their names from being used to cast ballots potentially illegally. Number four, is that we are going to create the largest election monitoring and poll watching operation the country has ever seen from coast to coast. 
We'll be monitoring elections, polling places everywhere, having our volunteers trained and certified to go into those polling places and making sure that the law is being followed. So across all of those different all of those different efforts, we're doing what we can to restore people's confidence in the election so they turn out and vote, which is wow. absolutely pivotal. Yeah, Matt, this is very impressive. Uh, I got to tell you what we're talking about. And I, I want to make sure uh, Americans know as well that this not-for-profit and the work that Matt is doing, there's a website, uh, lookaheadamerica.org. Uh, you can donate there. And he's got it right up. You can donate 25, 50 bucks or 100 bucks, whatever, every little or bit. Or a million. Or a million would be, uh, thank you for pointing that out. If you've got that line around, that would be fine too. This appears to be a place to do it where you're doing the hard work and lifting, Matt. Uh, I'm thrilled to be able to get the opportunity to chat with you more about this. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talked on the weekend about uh, potentially, and the words we used when we were talking to Commissioner Bernie Carrick and General McInerney were that, you know, we are in a constitutional crisis almost. If what you just said is accurate, Matt, that we may or may not have the right person in the Oval Office. And then the question is, well, what happens if Arizona does come out and it says X and then it moves on from there? Well, they say, well, we're in a constitutional crisis if that happens. In other words, how do we correct it and get it right? What would you say to that? Do you agree with that? And can we get it right? And where are we at at this point? Yeah, the thing is, look, the analysis that we've done at Look Ahead America as part of the Voter Integrity Project has all we can determine is that the number of illegal ballots surpassed the margin of victory. So so the deserved winner is unknown. And I actually say deserved winner is unknowable because that actually, that phrase comes out of a story in the Washington Post that they wrote about on voter fraud via mail. They wrote it in 2012, but they don't really want to talk about it now. And I I wonder why, but you're talking about the consequences. Uh, Look, my analysis and the tools we're using cannot definitively prove, let's say, for example, the election was stolen such that it, you know, Trump really won. Our evidence, it's not possible to show that with what our analysis is. Now, could our analysis prompt the states to do their own investigation and maybe come to that conclusion? Yes. And that was, that was the, that's our objective um, when, you know, when we did the initial analysis is hoping that, you know, if we find something, it becomes it will not be definitive because we don't have the tools as a private organization to do a definitive um, uh, forensic analysis. You have to have access to things that only the state has, but maybe we'll prompt the state to do that. And I think that to some extent we've prompted the state of Arizona to do that because some of our findings in Arizona, we've had people who were not in the state swear up and down. They did not cast a ballot yet had a ballot cast their name, signature verified. Now, how did that happen? And I think that that led to, the volume being raised in Arizona such that they order an audit and you know who knows what that will find. Um, so in terms of like switching somebody out of the White House, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I just, I, and I don't mean I'm skeptical of it happening. All I'm saying is that, you know, our analysis can't prove that just because of, you know, we're unique in the analysis we did and that look, if, if you had a ballot cast your name in the state of Georgia and we know we're able to document that you are not a resident of Georgia because you've lived in New York for the last 10 years and you registered to vote in New York and you thought maybe I'll just cast my ballot in Florida, be, uh, in Georgia because it doesn't count in New York. Well, that's illegal. That's an illegal ballot. We can document that, right? So um, while I, our, our analysis does not prove, hey, yeah, those, Trump really would have won the election it does open the door to the kind of investigation that could happen. And unlike a lot of the other 
you know, analyses, quote unquote, we saw following the last election, you don't have to trust me, you know, that I'm doing an analysis correctly or trust a scientific theory or a statistical analysis that you truly yourself don't understand uh, because you don't have a background in statistics or a PhD in them. Everything I've explained, everyone here that's listening, you've probably moved in your life and you filled out a, a national change of address card to get your mail forwarded. Well, that's a, that's a government document that's publicly available. And we access that information to determine who really isn't residents of a state casting ballots illegally. I'm not asking you to take anything on article of faith. You know how that works and you could do this analysis yourself. So that's why I'm so confident in what our findings are versus you know, a lot of the other noise that unfortunately drowned us out in the aftermath of the election in those few days where there was the, the rare opportunity or slim opportunity to actually do something in the moment. Yeah. You know, we talked a lot, Matt, uh, uh, about the reports that Peter Navarro put out. Uh, you remember he was totally on the front lines of trying to get that information out while the election was still being disputed, correct? Uh, that's correct. It, well, what I'm saying is that, yeah, our analyses got basically drowned out by a lot of noise of, I would say, quite crazy theories that could not be proven, whereas all of our analysis, you could walk into a court and just demonst demonstrably prove that, you know, this ballot was cast by somebody who uh, does not have residency. This ballot was cast by somebody who was registered illegally at a post office box, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is against the law in many states, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you're about as uh, well-spoken on this topic as about anybody I've heard. Uh, you don't sensationalize any of it. You don't get partisan with it. And you just come right down the middle with the facts, Matt. Uh, so I congratulate you, brother, for all the work you're doing. I'm, well, I, I appreciate it. It's very kind of you to say. And I encourage anybody who wants to help our organization to visit us at lookaheadamerica.org. Uh, we, uh, we need your time, your talent, or your treasure, at least one of those three, if you want to help us save this country. And we definitely cannot do this alone. So we, you know, we don't, as a national organization, you know, we, we depend on contributions of small dollar donors. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we pay our bills with. So nothing we can do would be possible without funding. And that's partially why we were stalled for four years. And if we had what we needed four years ago, maybe we would have had a different outcome in 2020. I am. Uh, I got to tell you, I am. I am really impressed with all of this, uh, Matt. I, I just, just in getting to know you today and talking about all of this and your uh, demeanor with, I, I'm really, really uh, moved by it. Impressed uh, so much that I'm going to request that we put up a, uh, a, uh, a permanent link, link, and mention about this as an organization that we should all be aware of on America Out Loud. Uh, so that people can be aware. Look at, uh, in other words, I want to get behind your organization and support you and help you in every way we can at Look Ahead America. Well, that would be very kind of you. And I'm very impressed, you know, with your show, your interview here, you've asked some really good questions. And I think, um, you know, together we've done a lot of work to do what the show is supposed to do, which is educate your audience, bring them up to speed on the reality of the world rather than the propaganda that they get from so many other mainstream news outlets. Amen to that. Yeah, we're speaking to Matt uh, Brainard here and uh, executive director of Look Ahead America. I was the former director of data and strategy for the Trump campaign. Uh, I think you heard plenty here. Uh, you've been educated about the black box versus the open source vote. And in a big way, he's got that investigative reporting on. I want to get Matt back ahead in the future and get him on Viewpoint, our uh, Sunday news magazine. So because we have a very large audience there, can uh, educate folks a little more on this. Uh, the work he's doing is impeccable here. Check out the site. Look at all of that. There's a lot more. Now, 
what I'd like to do next, my uh, my friends, is this. We're going to pause here a moment, and but I would like to get into play, and I, I wanted to do it with Matt, but we ran short of time, and I, I really wanted to hear from him and not just waste the time, and that's why I, I really wanted him to put it out there, and he, he did do that. But next, Lex, let me play it to this constitutional crisis I was telling you about, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and how we get to some resolution here in our country. I'm excited, though, in talking to Matt and understanding there are people like this out there who truly, truly get it and would look ahead America. So this is a beautiful thing. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll pause, take a moment right here, my, my fellow Americans, and we'll join you on the other side. You're listening uh, to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Because of COVID-19, The average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a -a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Well, that was just terrific to have Matt Brainard on a Look Ahead America. And uh, he was kind enough to give us all that time. And uh, I wanted you to hear from him and understand I love uh, the education he's doing with black box voting uh, versus open source voting. Uh, what we're doing here is exposing the proprietary nature of a lot of this software and hardware. Now, this was uh, the catalyst of a lot of problems. Uh, coming out of the last really couple of elections, more so the 2020 that you hear because it was so blatant, so in your face, so controversial, so edgy. And it happened to be that Trump was the candidate on the other side. And we know what they did to try to get him out of the office for four years. So you see, that made that even more um, complicated, I guess, be the way I'd say it. Uh, Controversial for sure. And that's why it leaves a lot of people uh, really with a gulp in their throat to think that, you know, they're nervous. People are really nervous right now uh, about the integrity of an election and what will happen moving forward, uh, sincerely. So, you know, we can have these conversations, people, without being crazy people and being overly a partisan or talking like, I mean, we don't need to go there, really. Let's just keep it civil. 
But the fact, and that's what I liked about Matt. I have to tell you, I was really super excited about him because he, he he's just, you know, he's just real. You know, he just, he puts it out there and just uh, really black and white and uh, doesn't get over sensational with the whole thing and uh, no smoke and mirrors there. And I really respect that and appreciate that. Lookaheadamerica.org. And I tell you, from everything I see and the work he's doing and they're doing, uh, it's tremendous. This is the kind of thing we need is more grassroots movements uh, out there and people who are out there to do this kind of work. This is the heavy work. This is the heavy lifting that needs to be done in America. It's not going to be done, people, with the elected officials in Washington who really, it's a different animal up there once they're in office already. It's not the same. And they don't have the leeway and the flexibility that a Matt Brainard would have. You understand? Or that a Malcolm Aloud would have or yourself. We don't, we don't answer to other constituents. We don't answer to um, uh, other, uh, well, corporate entities, other uh, people who've donated to our elections, that sort of thing is what I'm thinking. Uh, they really need to uh, answer back to their constituency, but they don't. And it's, it's a problem I always have when they get into high office and they don't fulfill their campaign promises. That's what made Trump so unusual, by the way. Uh, he was just somebody who said what he was going to do, and he went out and did it. Uh, and he fulfilled a lot of those campaign promises, drove everybody crazy in the process. Uh, but he was of his word. If he told you he wanted to get it done, he really did want to get it done. He was a different animal, a different, uh, uh, how to call him a political guy, because he really wasn't political. In fact, that was part of the problem he had is he didn't know how, he didn't play the political game well, actually. Had he played the, you know, that's a catch 22 people, but had he played the political game probably more to a T, he, he probably would have had less problems because they got outraged on the left and, and in the middle of the aisle. And I think we lost some of those folks potentially. I, I'm just keeping it real with you, but I do believe that probably happened. Uh, and now people are seeing, well, they're seeing the fruits of that labor, the fruits of a corrupt election, or the fruits of a Marxist agenda, or the fruits of the far left gone cocoa, cuckoo for cocoa bus, right? I mean, you're seeing all of that. I mean, that's all a problem. So, uh, you know, I mean, so listen, uh, we're, we're better off to stay with uh, what we had, which was a, a, a man, a businessman who put America first. All right, make America great again was put America first. That's kind of where some of this, where Matt uh, Brainerd is coming from and where the group Look Ahead America is coming from. It's, it's really talking about America and what we're about and America. What's wrong with that? And that's and Matt is, again, a former director of data and strategy for the truck. That's what he did. You know, that's what he was talking about. So that's important stuff. Right. I want to play a clip for you next. I want to talk. And I mentioned to Matt, um, uh, we will circle again back with him and surely have him on. He was so well-spoken. But uh, I want to play this clip about a constitutional crisis. This is important. Uh, I do believe we're in a constitutional crisis right now. And I believe because we have someone in the uh, Oval Office that uh, a good part of the country, we've never had a man in the Oval Office where this many millions of Americans would say is illegitimate. Now, listen. There's been fraud in a lot of elections. That's not newly invented. 
and we've had it before and we'll have it again. And I get that. Again, like like the Navarro report, you had all those levers of possible election fraud. Matt was talking about that as well. It's not a new problem exactly, specifically. There are always people trying to do evil things out there and steal these kinds of things. But what you're seeing that was so blatant with 2020 and so in your face, it corrupted and it exposed, it ripped the bandaid off and it exposed all of this in a way that we had never seen before. And then tied to the fact that it was Trump as the candidate, well, it, it makes logical sense that uh, a lot of things ought to be questioned right now. Now, you might question previous elections, could be questioned in our country, but I don't think to the likes of what 2020 was. I think this was the first you could question at this level with this widespread quandary, problems, questions, uh, potential. I mean, call it whatever you want, soup to nuts. That's all I'm saying. I, again, I don't want to come always at this as a partisan, but as an American. And when you look at all of that, there's, there's a lot to question there. So let me play now this clip from a Commissioner Bernie Carrick, had him on Viewpoint. He was really terrific. I got a lot of awesome feedback on his contributions to the program here. He talks about a constitutional crisis in a very interesting way. And let's listen in now. Uh, to Carrick there. You know, a lot of people say, uh, Commissioner, that, well, you know, it'll be a constitutional crisis. And, and I've had that said to me before, if this happens with an election of this nature where you have a president that's already been installed into office. And my answer back to them is, well, it would be a constitutional crisis if we don't get to the real truth. And we're in one right now. Yeah, I, I have to tell you, um, you know, I, I pretty much agree with what you're saying. And, and for this reason, the election of 2020 was stolen. I am I am a thousand percent positive mm -hmm. uh, based on what I've wow. seen, based on the thousands of depositions and affidavits that we collected in the legal team, based on the evidence that we saw. But what I'm what what scares me to death and the thing that many conservatives, many Republicans don't want to hear is. Joe Biden is sitting in the White House today, not because the Democrats stole the election, but because the Republican legislators didn't do the job they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You have Republicans that certified state votes that certified their, their elections yeah. in their states when they knew they knew there were irregularities and they knew there were questions that had to be answered. Commissioner, so why did they do that? Why did they do that? Because I reported on that when that was happening in real time. Why did these Republicans, because we talked about this, the Republican legislatures in the states had control. They could have changed the trajectory of this thing, but they failed to do this. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, there's, a, there's a few reasons, but the one that scares me the most um, is that you know, I, I hate even saying this because it makes the it makes the party look like uh, it, it makes them look ridiculous. The one that scares me the most is many of the Republican legislatures in those states. They had no idea what their jobs were. They had no idea idea what their constitutional authority and power was. Hmm. So that was uh, Commissioner Carrick on Viewpoint this Sunday. If you want to hear that full broadcast, it's back at americaoutloud.com. Uh, just go to Viewpoint this Sunday under shows, or you'll see it also, depending on when you get to hear this, on the front page. That show is entitled The Greatest Threat Facing America. 
And it is a powerful, powerful one-hour program. I will tell you now, you'll learn a few things and listen into that. Um, so he lays out, we're talking about a potential of a constitutional crisis and what that means. And he talked about the Republican legislatures and the fact that many of them didn't know they had the power or the responsibility to that. Now, that should make everybody alarmed. And we talked about this in real time. You remember this now. If you dial it back and you listen to the voice of a nation, we were all over this election problem. We discussed this at, at, at length. And we felt that, in fact, we, we said, I mean, really, we had many experts on that said, well, this will probably never happen. Well, Biden will probably never become the president because, well, uh, well, because the Republican legislatures control most of those states that are in question. In fact, about all of them, but one. Okay, so you probably got nothing to worry about. Now, wasn't that a lot of garbage, huh? So that's what was said by a lot of experts we had on the program and the, and the platform here, for sure. And they were counting on the fact that there's no way in a, in a long snow day from hell that the Republican legislatures would not stand for the truth and knowing what they were going to certify for the Electoral College was bogus. Now, that should alarm everybody. And I remember it. I remember the moment it happened. And then I remember when the news wires started saying, well, they're going to put their support with the Electoral College behind Joe Biden. And... And there was never an answer back or a reason back or a clarification from the legislature to say, well, here's a caveat. There's, you know, like with any election, you, sometimes you have an asterisk, you know, you put a little asterisk there and you say, well, here's the asterisk. Now, there's a big asterisk with the 2020 election as a whole. What I'm talking about within these states, you take Pennsylvania, Michigan, well, Georgia, Nevada and Arizona, any of these states, you know, there, and there's more. But you see what happened with those states, and there were so many, and those are the only ones we were focused on. How many were like Florida? Might there have been problems? Well, because it was one bite, was, but it was a very, it, it was not a major win. It wasn't some big victory. And then you have to look at some of these other states. Well, what happened really? See, that's the question. That's the problem right there that we want to begin to think about here. Um, and so this constitutional crisis. Kathy, let me bring you on here with you, Kathy Chamberlain. Kathy, you hear the, uh, the the reference from Kirk, and he was incredibly well spoken in that interview. But uh, speaking about the constitutional question, he points out that the the GOP, the Republican legislature, should have done the right job. They did not, and then he kind of chuckled at the end and said, "Well, I hate to tell you, Malcolm, like it's like he's hitting you with his elbows." And I hate to tell you, but I don't think these people knew what the hell they were doing. Basically, what did you make of that? I agree with him. I would also add that they were outmaneuvered far be long before, I should say, before the election actually took place. If you recall, and you mentioned Pennsylvania, there was that whole controversy around Act 77. Remember that? Yeah. And that, it seems to me, even from a layperson reading what actually occurred in that particular situation, where they leapfrogged, the Democrats leapfrogged over the uh, Republican-controlled legislatures mm -hmm. and went straight to their state Supreme Court that 
pass this Act 77 without the the really they had no right to it wasn't in their uh, legal right to do. So when you talk about a constitutional crisis, how did that happen? But to Bernie's uh, broader point, I also think it goes back to the the Bush's doctrines, both Bush of the kinder, gentler, more compassionate. We just don't fight back. We allow the bullies of the left to ramroad right over us. And that's a part and parcel of it as well. But it is disconcerting to know that Republicans in office don't know what their their rights are and what their responsibilities are. But I certainly don't question what Bernie had to say. To make it one step further, Kathy, listen, I want you to hear this and I want listeners to hear this in case they missed a viewpoint. It's about 40, 45 seconds, very simple. But this is General John McInerney, who was on Viewpoint as well. Listen to what, I mean, he blew me away with some of his comments. And if those state legislatures come back in and they in fact say what the actual vote was by doing the audits, then there'll have to be an electoral college reconvened. Now the Democrats who control the House are not gonna wanna do it, but we the people are going to demand we want the facts out. Mm-hmm. We have never had an activity. It is the most dangerous threat to our entire republic that we have ever had. It is we the people, the power and the, 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 the real power that control and hire these clowns in Washington. And until that uprising happens, we are at the mercy of, of, a, of a takeover here. So the likes we've never seen in our great nation. So that clip you hear there is uh, from Viewpoint this Sunday, and that was uh, General Tom McInerney, uh, uh, an amazing man, a patriot, served our country in um, the most noblest way. Uh, Kathy, you hear him talk about the the statements he put out about the constitutional crisis. And what we were talking about there is that what would like we're in one now is what I suggest back to people, because we may very well have the wrong president in there, in which case, wow. I mean, it is a wow. In other words, it went against the uh, the vast majority of Americans and the college uh, throughout our nation. Uh, I mean, this is significant. Well, what he says, well, we would have to, like you said, go back and revisit the whole thing as this thing begins to turn. He also believes and talks more extensively on the program about Arizona and the fact about what we're going to start to see is pretty stunning with the reversal there in Arizona. It, it, all indicators are, Kathy, that's gonna be a tipping point, uh, Arizona to something else happening. Now, I, I'm not the cat that just runs around talking election fraud all day, but it does get your eyebrows up a little bit, doesn't it, when you hear these guys talk? Sure does. It'll be very interesting to see this all play out. Of course, we've been at tipping points before, how many times since uh, 3rd of November? Uh, but what, the thing that I'm, I would love to have asked, and maybe you did, uh, is about the, with the Electoral College being reconvened, Mm -hmm. I'm hearing that there is no uh, provision in our constitution that directly deals with anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the answer is, I've asked people this, and the answer is that is correct. There is not anything. Uh, Here's the thing. We're in uncharted waters, Kathy. This has never happened in the history of, but this this is brand new. This is is a new new day 
it's never happened in our country before. Um, what, what we're speaking about right this moment. So you bring up a very, very good point. Uh, you can't look at history here, Kathy, and see historically and say, okay, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what happened then. And that's what we did. You see, it doesn't exist here. So no, there's nothing in the Constitution that, that addresses this problem we're having, where you've got an actual, the level of fraud, a potential stolen election, and uh, where they could very well have gotten it wrong. And I say this all trying to, I know many out there are saying, come on, Malcolm, just say the damn thing was stolen. You just heard McInerney and Carrick and so many others, and I get it. But if you follow, uh, again, earlier where we have Matt Brainrod on, uh, you know, listen, we can get the job done without acting uh, like crazy people, partisans, and just really, we just want the truth. Because let me say to you, if America really wanted Joe Biden at the helm, if they really, really elected him, and that is the legitimate president, I'm telling you right now, people, I will support that. I may not like it personally, but if that's where we are in our country, I'm not asking for anything to be overturned that's uh, wrong, uh, false, uh, arrogant, uh, erroneous, uh, or you know, try to put words in people's mouths. If that's really it was legit, I'll embrace whatever America decides and the Americans do in our representative republic. And if that's the electoral college and what the vast majority of Americans wanted in the electoral vote, not the popular vote now, again, back to our constitution that we're just talking about, I will absolutely support that. I'm telling you, right now, I'll get on air here and support it, 100%. So it's not just about my way or the highway. It's about uh, uh, America's way. It's about what's right, what's really right. What's the rule of law and what what keeps our, well, what keeps the shining city on a hill still shining? And what makes us the beacon of democracy around the world? What makes America all of that? What makes liberty shine here? That's what we need to be talking about, please. That's what matters far more than partisan stripes, you know, for sure. Well, anyways, great first hour here with uh, Matt uh, Brainerd and... Uh, uh, thank you, Kathy, for your uh, contributions always here. Uh, LookAheadAmerica.org is the site there. Uh, we're going to come back here with Laura Loomer. Kathy will join me a little later in the program here, and we'll return an hour or two. Just ahead, you're listening to The Voice of a Nation. and soul of a nation beckons the call the voice of our forefathers heard in the distance a house divided against itself cannot stand to reclaim our honor, honor, honor. our soul. soul the challenges of a generation call out future generations hang in the balance we choose liberty this is the voice of a nation the nation the nation the nation and now malcolm Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation. We are talking about something that every American should be concerned with, and that is the integrity of an election. Now, you know, like everything in this country, we have short memories. You know, we got through that last election debacle, and we realized that it felt like we got, you know, hit in a, by a train wreck, right? Uh, and we certainly get past that. And 
you, you weren't hearing as much about the election fraud or what was going on because, you know, again, once you get done with one election, we sort of had our fill. That's what normally happens in America. And then we say, well, the next one's a couple of years away. Let's not worry about it. Well, here we are. It's coming quick, people. So you've got 2022, 2024. Now, here's the thing you don't want to lose sight of. A lot of people, I, I heard a lot of folks, a lot of experts uh, that were telling me, well, we'll never win another election. Well, we'll never have another safe election. Well, you know, all of these kinds of comments and you, you have to stop and pause and say, what are they really saying? Do we take that with a grain of salt or, or, or is that a real comment? Well, let's put it this way, people. If we don't get the election system right, uh, the chances of being fair and having integrity on any level uh, is... Uh, nil. It's not going to happen. And so a lot of the things from the last election clearly need to be cleared up. Uh, it's very partisan. It's very political. It's very polarized. And let's be clear, if you're on the left, you think, oh, no, everything was fear. Everything was good. And if you're on the right, well, not so much. So then in between all of that, there's what we call the truth. <laughs> That's hard to find in this country, I'll tell you that. But the truth is what we're after here. And as you heard up front in the program and uh, we, we're, uh, you know, we, we were really diving into some things uh, that are most important for all of you there uh, to, to understand. Uh, this is also important here. We're seeing some problems with integrity uh, that are being questioned in the state of Florida. Uh, Florida is very unusual in the fact that a lot of people take it for granted. They think it's a red state, but yeah, you can see a lot of these elections are very, very close as they are in a lot of states here. Um, we'll turn our attention to Florida in this next segment as well. And uh, I'd like to bring on to the program here, Laura Loomer joins us on the program here. She's a conservative investigative journalist and a Republican candidate for Congress in Florida's 21st district. Um, she made her name really on social media when it's funny because it, you were sort of uh, canceled and thrown off when it sort of wasn't even cool yet, Laura, you know that? Yeah, I mean, I was really the, thanks for having me, by the way, I was really the canary in the coal mine for the big tech social media censorship that we're seeing and the deplatforming cancel culture movement. And so I am the most banned yeah. censored yeah. woman, uh, you know, in the entire country. Well, now it's sort of cool actually, because everybody's being tossed off. It's not really cool. We're being sarcastic, of course. It's very un-American is what it is, but that's a story for another day here uh, for sure. But that's where Laura, a lot of people may recognize the name. And now as an activist and as an investigative person, she is uh, concerned with the integrity of these elections uh, and also is becoming more of a political figure herself. Uh, and uh, so, uh, Laura, we're thrilled to have you here on uh, The Voice of a Nation. Uh, so what I'd like to do, I, I want to talk about, uh, before we jump into Florida here a moment, I want to remind people, and I was talking earlier about Chris Krebs. Everybody might remember that name, Chris Krebs. Uh, he was uh, fired from the Trump administration. He was the uh, DHS uh, uh, CISA, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency Director. And there was a whole contradiction. You remember it all because we reported on this many times where they said, well, uh, they were the most secure election in American history, he said back then. And we were like a gas. I said, what the hell is this guy talking about? I mean, nobody felt that way. I mean, they weren't that secure. And even the left weren't saying how they were the most secure in American history. So this guy was weird in that way in what he put out there, Laura. It was a strange thing that he made those comments and now he's sort of resurfaced again. We're seeing him in some of these elections where he's putting his nose in again, and people are quite concerned with him. 
I want to start and I want to talk about right now we have what's going on in Arizona, okay? Uh, Arizona is, have you been following that, Laura, pretty well? I assume in Arizona, yes? Yeah, I've been following what's happening in Arizona. That's actually where I'm from originally. Wow. Uh, but, but, you know, I live in Florida and, okay. you know, we, we, we really also need to be focused on states that people think are safe. There's exactly. this misconception exactly. that Florida is a super red state. It is not. We well, everybody thought Georgia was safe, close. Laura. Right. Everybody thought Georgia was safe and right. Georgia was not safe. But let me, I want to play something first for you before we cut you loose there about Florida here. So right now, the integrity of Arizona and Georgia, in other words, Laura, if we're going to get this right now, I mean, I think you have to agree. If we're going to get 2022, 2024, and really get the integrity, I mean, there's a fight at the center of this thing and they're not going to get let go easy. Right now they're pushing this HR1 and they're trying to overhaul the election system the left is. Uh, so this is not an easy fight. But in order for us to fix the problem, we have to understand the problem. We have to understand what happened in these other states. There's a difference. And I want to point out to folks, Laura, there's a difference between a process of a forensic audit uh, versus a recount. Uh, you know, everybody was talking about recounts, Laurie. You remember that? And they were saying, right. well, let's get a recount. But, a re you know, let me put it this way, Laurie. Garbage in, garbage out. You understand what that means? And I think I, I want every American to understand what that means. Garbage in, garbage out. If you just recount the same garbage, well, you've got nothing at the end of the day. What's going to happen is a forensic audit, and that's a difference. I want to play a quick audio clip before I let you go. And before we jump into Florida, let's understand the problem. And I'd like you to comment on this, actually, Laura. Uh, this is regarding uh, Arizona. And there's something to learn from this. This is Commissioner Bernie Carrick, who I just talked to the other day, who was on the weekend program on Viewpoint with us. And you made the comment, the next three to four weeks will be explosive, is the words you used. We'll vindicate everything we've been saying, uh, that the election was stolen, the Arizona audits, and then, of course, you got Georgia after that. But uh, put that in context for us, if you would, please. First of all, I was, uh, I was actually in Arizona. Um, I went out to Arizona to the Coliseum in Phoenix with Vernon Jones, who is running for governor of the state of Georgia. I have to tell you, I was stunned, excited, uh, actually, about what I saw in Arizona. You know, everybody's talked about a recount. You know, Arizona needed a recount. Georgia needs a recount. Anywhere there were irregularities, people have called for recounts. But the reality is a recount is basically a recount of whatever ballots you had, corrupted or otherwise. So recounts don't really help you. What you need is a forensic audit. And when I walked into the Coliseum and got to see, um, first and foremost, the security of the Coliseum, um, but the way you were allowed to get in, um, the way the security within the Coliseum, the way the Coliseum is laid out, the counting of the ballots, the imagery of the ballots, um, how they take them and they copy them, they take a visual of them, they look at the ink, they look at the paper, they look at the markings, they look at the coding. All of this stuff will be laid out in that forensic audit. And I'm confident that that report is going to demonstrate severe irregularities in what went on in Arizona. 
Okay, so Laurie, you hear Commissioner Bernie Carrick there talk about Arizona and right. going out there, seeing the facility, the forensic nature of what was being done. Now, there's a lot of talk right now that we're going to have some shocking news coming from Arizona it, within days here is what all reports are indicated here. But he points out the difference between the forensic and just a recount. And in order to get this right, now you're from Arizona initially, you just said, how important is this? And comment about what Carrick says there. Well, I mean, look, I, there's there's 50 states in our country and what happened in Arizona happened and they're doing the audit. But I'm a candidate for Congress in Florida and I'm concerned about what's happening in Florida right now because they're gearing up to steal the elections in Florida. And so we have concerning things happening here in the state of Florida. And we also need to be focused. You know, people across the country can pay attention to what's happening in Arizona, but patriots in this country need to be focused on the election integrity in each of their states. And so I'm, you know, I'm doing what I can do to blow the whistle on what's happening here in Florida. I'm, I'm watching the, the audit in Arizona closely, but in the meantime, I'm trying to preserve election integrity in my own state of Florida, where I'm a candidate and a voter. Okay, so let's now dive into Florida then and talk about what is taking place. You have a report, you release some sort of it, uh, a document, I guess, on this Dominion and the ES and ES machines. Now, you know, that's a name you don't hear much, ES and S machines, which I understand is a sister operation of Dominion. Uh, and, you know, th then you remember there was the Smartmatic as well. Smartmatic and Dominion were connected. They're all, you know, it seems like they're all in the soup together, all of these sort of uh, companies, right. Laura. And the more you, ha and you have to dig into the corporate structure and understand how they are connected. Tell us what the concern is in Florida with these machines. Well, right now what you have is uh, taking place currently is you have a Florida Supervisors of Elections Conference um, that is being hosted by this organization called Florida Supervisors of Elections, Inc. Um, that isn't an official uh, state of Florida government agency. It's actually a nonprofit. And they're having a conference right now with the Florida Secretary of State. And, uh, you know, some of the key figures that are speaking at this conference are Dominion and ESNS. And, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Chris Krebs, of course. Chris Krebs was actually on the agenda to speak. And then uh, when I released this expose about this conference that was taking place with Dominion and Chris Krebs and Laurel Lee, the Secretary of State in Florida, Chris Krebs was actually removed from the agenda. Um, and so, you know, Look, all these uh, big tech voting machine companies and all of the big tech social media companies, they view the state of Florida as, you know, the 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 prize on the battlefield that they need to conquer in 2022 and 2024, because Florida right now is arguably the most free and open state um, in our nation. And that's why they're gathering in Florida. And, you know, it's, it should be of great concern because we have a governor here who has signed legislation to address address election integrity and big tech election interference. But somehow, right, our Republican secretary of state is still meeting with Dominion and ESNS and and, uh, you know, was willing to speak. And she's speaking at this conference where Chris Krebs was on the agenda. So uh, this is why it's so important for people to be observing the election integrity in their states too, not just what's happening in Arizona or Georgia, because this is happening all across the country, you know? So I would encourage people to focus on what's happening in their state and not just what's happening in Arizona. Yeah, you're right. No, no state is safe, especially when you look at where these machines are coming from and the history of these machines. Now, 
when the 2020 election was happening with Florida, I think a lot of people remember that uh, they all the polls, Laura, you remember, they had Biden win in Florida handily. Remember that? You know, they showed Biden winning. The, these were the polls now before the election. And of course, that didn't go that way with Florida. In fact, everybody was watching that state when it fell and it went for Trump. But Florida is very close. It is sort of become, it's at one point you could depend on being a red state, but you know, Obama won it as well. So it is a really kind of a purple state in some ways. A lot of people don't want to admit that. Um, well, now, it's definitely a purple state and it's very close to being blue. And if you recall, when governor, right. uh, when we had the recount in 2018, which I was a part of, uh, when, uh, you know, Governor DeSantis ran against, uh, you know, communist Andrew Gillum, you know, the margin was only 32,000 right. votes. That's and right. so so that is that is less than a percentage point. OK, and we are very close to becoming a blue state. And that is why they're trying to use these voting machines and mm -hmm. big tech social media companies like Twitter and Facebook to yeah. rig elections. That's what they did to me as the first deplatformed candidate. I'm the only candidate in the country in U.S. history that was denied access to social media, you know, and they're pouring millions of dollars into these counties. They did, they put 6.8 million. Zuckerberg gave $6.8 million to the Palm Beach County Supervisors of Elections Office during yeah. my, my campaign. And they're doing this all across the country. Yeah, you know, we talk about it all the time on the platform here, the social media oligarchs and the media oligarchs and what they're up to. Uh, clearly, they have an agenda that is very un-American in every way that they operate. But listen, being censored and thrown off these platforms is a regular occurrence now uh, for everybody because it, it, they've done it to the president of the United States. They can certainly do it to a candidate, Laura. Uh, well, they did it to me before they did it to Donald Trump. And I was warning about this for years. You know, in 2018, I predicted that they were going to. So you don't have to tell me. I mean, you know, I ran for Congress in District 21, which is President Trump's home district. He endorsed me. He voted for me. And big tech censorship was my, you know, campaign platform because mm -hmm. I've been banned and censored by these companies for nearly four years now. So, right. you know, unfortunately, the Republicans didn't listen. And I think that, you know, while President Trump was a great president, the biggest failure of his presidency was not addressing big tech censorship. And ultimately, it cost him the election because it was big tech that paid for the theft of the election. You know, yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. they could have done something about it in his first two years when they had control of the House, the Senate and the executive branch. But they didn't. You know, so the Republicans need to take some responsibility for this, too. It's not just the Democrats here. Yeah, well, but, it, it's a it's a good point and it's an arguable point. Some people would argue back. But I hear you loud and clear. Uh, nothing was done on that. But again, there are so many fires burning in Washington when when the novice, uh, the president, the businessman from New York arrived in Washington. Uh, there was so much for him to address in those first couple of years that you have to prioritize all the time. And I'm sure that's what happened under the Trump administration. Um, well, no, but, I think that it's it's not it's not just him. It's the Republicans in Congress and the Senate. I mean, they sure. they're all taking money from big tech. It's not just yeah. the Democrats here. And if we're going to, you know, if we're really going to address election integrity, we need to call out Republicans and Democrats who are part of the problem. And the reality is, is that we have Republicans and Democrats who are getting bankrolled by big tech to stay silent on these issues. And that's why we've lost our country. Mm -hmm. That's why we've lost our country. So how much do you think the DeSantis administration knows about what we're talking about right now? Speaking of, uh, you know, you, you're talking about the the FSC, of, uh, and, but you're speaking about Chris Krebs was at the, supposed to speak at this. Uh, you've got to, uh, people, executives from Dominion and ES and, e, and S. Now, they're still talking, Dominion and ES and S. They haven't been excluded, correct? No, they're still at this conference. They spoke right. yesterday, but... 
look, I sent my expose to Governor DeSantis's, um, you know, team. I sent it to his staffers. I worked with uh, Governor DeSantis's staffers and the Republican legislators on formulating the recent big tech legislation. And not all of my suggestions were taken, unfortunately, but, you know, they should be aware. And I guess if they aren't aware, then maybe they need to get some better staffers because uh, we've directed thousands of Floridians and American citizens to call his office and call Laura Lee, the Republican Secretary of State's office, to address this issue. But no one seems to be able to get an answer. And that's yep. a problem. Do, do, has anything been said back? Do we know why Chris Krebs was pulled off the roll to talk? Has anything been publicly said about that? Well, I just think that they got caught. They didn't they didn't want anyone knowing this wasn't a really widely publicized conference. And then when mm -hmm. people were you know, asking you know, that's a very partisan, it's a very partisan uh, person to have speaking at your at your so-called nonpartisan election conference, right, um, with the supervisors of elections. And I think that it would just was so glaring that they had to remove him. So, you know, they didn't remove Dominion, but uh, they got caught because it was less than 24 hours after I published my expose of the conference that he was removed. But they only removed him with a clone, you know, somebody else uh, right, right. Uh, from the same administration who has ties to Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. So, you know, uh, the corruption runs deep and uh, we need some accountability. I'd like to know, you know, I'd love to know why these conferences are taking place in the state of Florida and why the secretary of state's entertaining them. Well, and, and why a not-for-profit is uh, an outside uh, organization like that is influencing all of these counties, correct? Well, exactly. These are elected officials, right? These are 67 right, right, elected right. supervisors of elections. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all agree there's something sinister going on when a nonprofit that isn't held accountable to, to Florida sunshine laws, like all of our elected officials are, why are they giving training? If anybody should be giving training or any advice or instruction about our elections, it's the Secretary of State. And so, you know, the Secretary of State is more than welcome to go host mm -hmm. a conference. She doesn't need to be speaking at a at a, you know, at a nonprofit that doesn't even fill out their their uh, annual reports properly and doesn't even disclose where all the money that they're charging these outside supervisor of elections is going. It's just very sinister, you know, and I'm disappointed to see that that the Republican secretary of state in Florida is participating in this and entertaining this conference. Well, do we know historically, have you looked at yet or had the chance to look historically at how this always has run in the past? In other words, with this not-for-profit group, as you suggest, that is running this, is that typical for Florida or is this a new event? No, this is this organization surprisingly has been around since 1964. So Democrat and Republican, I guess, supervisors of elections have been utilizing this. But, you know, they changed their name. What's sinister about this is that they were previously called the Florida Supervisors, uh, the Florida Association of Supervisors of Elections. Then a year before the 2020 election, they changed their name to Florida Supervisor of Election. That's a clear distinction. I mean, clearly, if you are an association, you are a membership organization of of officials, right? But if you are saying that you're the supervisors of elections, you're mm -hmm. you're falsely portraying yourself as a government agency. So well, why are they I allowing think, them to do that? Why why is well, the that's a good question? You know, maybe I. This is what I want to know. And, and, you know, unfortunately, people keep calling Governor DeSantis and Laurel Lee's office, but no one's getting any answers. So what, you're right. That's the golden question. That was the point of my expose. Why are they doing this? And why is nobody calling this out? Why is this allowed to happen in Florida under a governor who is a Republican, under a secretary of state who is a who is a Republican?
right? I, it shouldn't be allowed to happen. It needs well, to stop. And you're pushing to get the answer for that as well. Um, you, you, you have an intercept report you did on this whole thing. You wrote a report up on this, correct? That's yeah, what you're speaking about. Yeah, it's on my about. site. People right. can go to Lumerd. People can go to Lumerd.com and they can read my report there. Uh, and I know that Kathy as well uh, printed this out and has been handing it out at the conference, but you can read all about it. Right, right. And, and, and last word, tell us about VR systems. How does that fit into this? Well, VR systems is a, another voting machine uh, software company, and uh, they are the sponsor for this, one of the sponsors for this event. And so, you know, already there, you have corporate influence, big tech influence. Why is a voting machine company um, sponsoring this conference? If we really are going to keep our elections clean, if anybody should be sponsoring this, it's the Secretary of State's office so that it's official. Um, and so VR systems, uh, you know, they have been at the center of several controversies right before they they operate in 63 out of 67 Florida counties right now and have the contracts to be doing a lot of the voting um, software with the mm -hmm. voting machines. Right. Uh, and why is this problematic? Well, right before the 2016 presidential election, they were actually uh, the subject of a a uh, Russian phishing hacking um, hacking uh, hacking plot that basically sent uh, false information to over a hundred election officials throughout the state of Florida and tried to uh, you know electronically manipulate uh, Florida's elections. And so clearly these machines are not secure, like Chris Krebs has falsely stated. Um, you know, and and the Democrats prior to 2020, you know, they're they're on video during congressional testimony talking about how these election machines can be hacked. But now they're trying to deny it and completely flip their position because, well, the election machines were hacked and rigged in their favor this time. And so um, people need to be paying attention. You know, yeah. you can't you can't if you're a sponsor, you are giving a financial contribution and influencing people. And so no big tech company, no election company should be able to financially influence or sway elected officials in the state of Florida, which is why this conference is so inappropriate. Yeah, uh, Laura, uh, good work. Thank you. Stay close with us and we'll continue to push and get the word out there. And thank you for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I think the point that Laura Loma brings up is a valid point. I mean, when you look at the states that nobody is talking about and you see how close a state like Florida was in, in the election, you know, just harping back again as she did. Uh, and she's right to the governor's race uh, with DeSantis and Gillum. I mean, that was uh, that was shocking. Really, really shocking. Considering the agenda that Gillum had, can you imagine for a moment Evangel Gillum, who now who really is a criminal, had become had become the governor in Florida? Can you imagine what Florida? I mean, you would have. You're talking about a complete 180. I mean, you're talking about a state that would have never been reopened. It would have been locked down. How close did Florida come to becoming really turned over as a Marxist entity, like many other states, like California and New York and many others? In fact, it. Illinois and just down the list here, uh, Washington, Oregon, so many, uh, you know, you can see how close. I mean, just look at that vote. I mean, very, it, it, that was almost won by Gillum and that would have changed this state and the trajectory of where it was headed. So that's the risk we're talking about here with a lot of these states that people think are safe and they're really not safe. Uh, you, nothing is taken for granted. Now, the other thing we're trying to get to the bottom of is how these software systems fit into all these elections. And there was so much unknown 
And in fact, uh, if DeSantis wasn't at the helm of that, this last election cycle, what would have happened really? I, I mean, it, as close as Florida was to Tippin, uh, it could have went the other way. Uh, you know, think about that. What, what, what would that have meant for the state of Florida? Uh, it leaves a lot of questions. And, and so, you know, you see this report, what's happening here. You know, the underlying thing always comes back to safe elections. Why is the left so much against integrity of elections? Why are they so much against just showing an ID? I mean, even that's controversial by today's standards, pulling out an ID, which you have to show for anything else in your life. Try not showing an ID to get on an airline. Try not showing an ID when an officer pulls you over. Try, try, try anything. You need an ID for everything. Try going buy a bottle of liquor without an ID. You, you get the point. But yet the left, they don't want a simple ID to be able to vote. That's controversial to them. Well, that in itself should tell every American that they don't guard the, the sanctity of an election system as, uh, as important. They don't, they don't see that as uh, being uh, somehow to safeguard that is uh, essential in our country. Uh, it's it, to them, they keep it controversial. And then they call the other side out and say they're trying to hold people back from voting. I mean, you hear that all the time in the media. Uh, they twist the story, say, well, the Republicans are against voting or they're against allowing people to vote or they want less people to vote. Of course, all of this is rubbish. It's all garbage. Uh, but that's really a narrative that's being put out there constantly. So I think as we now get closer I mean, we're starting to peel this thing in recent days. And, you know, we, we covered it. We started in the previous programs. We've been talking about election integrity. And you're going to hear a lot more about this now. And I think even more as you see what goes on in Arizona, in Georgia. And we'll see. There's still a lot of fighting going on in Michigan and Pennsylvania. Uh, this election by far in 2020 has not been resolved. Uh, people are not comfortable with it. They want really conclusive answers. You hear enough people on here saying it was a stolen election and people of integrity, people that are just don't blabbermouth, you know, they just don't get on there and spout garbage. Uh, you, you're seeing that on the weekend on the program that we had with General McInerney. You're, see, you're seeing it, uh, uh, you know, with um, uh, on, uh, on Viewpoint. Um, we, we also had uh, Colonel Sellen, Colonel Lawrence Sellen was amazing in that program. Uh, Bernie Carrick talking about all of this. So I, I think this is a, a common theme we're going to be hearing more and more about here. Um, and what, why, why not just keep the integrity of an election, of every election? Uh, why can't we agree on that, the left and the right? What, why do you think that is, that we can't agree on how to conduct an election? Just even that is so controversial and that we're at odds. And it just tells you, you have to look down to the, the, the principal root of that. What's, what's, you know, what, what really comes back to their ideology. What are they up to? What do they really want? Do they really believe in fear in uh, elections that have integrity to them? Are they, are they really trying, you know, if you're trying to steal an election, if you're trying to do all of these improprieties, then you really don't care who votes and how they vote. And that, that was the problem in 2020. There were so many ways that that election was ripped off. It's a long list not just one thing. It's a long, long list. We've talked about it extensively here on the programs, uh, totally. So everybody should know and every American, and this is something that really I think Americans should get behind and unite. We, the people, should come together, unite and say and demand it. I'm talking left and right. The, I, listen, 
Democrats and Republicans alike, and Democrats, and I'm not talking about the operatives in D.C. I'm not talking about the, the buffoons up there. I'm talking about we the people. I'm talking about your friends, family, people you know that are on the left side of the aisle and the right side of the aisle, whatever. Why can't we get those people together to agree? We the people agree and demand integrity in our elections. Why does it have to be a partisan discussion? Why? And you can't leave it to the operatives in Washington because they're never going to solve it. So I think there's going to be a grassroots movement. Now, that's part of what I like here. And we're going to hear in moments from our, our very own Kathy Chamberlain, who really is also in her, uh, uh, her in her real life as well. I mean, she's a political activist. I mean, that that was part of the charm of Kathy. Uh, is she's on the front lines and uh, is out there, not afraid at all to get her hands uh, dirty or put or how do you say, get her uh, fingers purple either. Uh, we'll tell you more about that and what that all means just after the pause. You're listening to the Voice of the Nation here. Listen to Malcolm, the Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters. Turn notifications on and stay in the know. You'll find all that back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, You were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. 
Joe, as we were listening up front to, to the in the second hour here to Laura Loomer describe many of the concerns that were happening in Florida here. Uh, what, there's a movement, a sort of a grassroots movement throughout Florida now about uh, it, it's a purple finger voter movement. And there was a rally conducted here this past week, uh, by the way, on it was to protest the use of these machines and Chris Krebs speech you were talking about. We talked to Laura about that as well. Uh, he was removed from there. Of course, Dominion ES and S are not. There's still the voting machines there. The structure of the states, from what I understand, there's a heavy investment in all these states with the voting machines and equipment. It's not a quick, easy fix to change your total equipment and voting system. That's where I think we may have a lot of problems because we're seeing that they're in a lot of uh, states in the country and a lot of states are immersed in this. And number one, it's a, it's a high financial cost, a major investment to the states. I mean, they have to get approval from the legislatures to spend that money. Two, it's an investment of time to be able to make those changes. So what I put out there right now, that's the danger and the warning sign, because we started talking about this before 2020. There, were, there was talk about this problem with the equipment before the election. And, and so that's concerning. And here we are now at this point, and nothing's been done about it. In fact, these companies like Dominion and Smartmatic and now the CS, they're empowered and they're actually suing anybody who uh, defames them in any way or says something. There's been a lot of lawsuits. I mean, they sued Rudy Giuliani. They sued uh, Sidney Powell. They sued dozens of people uh, for whatever. And those are still going through. I mean, for millions and millions of dollars, actually. So the integrity of all this is important. I'm going to talk about that in the purple finger voting. Let's uh, bring on here uh, Kathy Chamberlain, our very own Kathy Chamberlain here and on uh, Voice of a Nation. Kathy, uh, the integrity of the equipment. I, I want to stay there for just a moment here. We look at a lot of the states. They're heavily invested into the equipment. Now, let's step back and think about this. Uh, the, uh, now, remember the number, of, the number of states in the country that use Dominion and Smartmatic is overwhelming. I mean, it's the vast majority of states that use it. Not all the states, but a lot of them do, and they're heavily invested in this. It's a major investment. It's a major time investment as well as money to be able to make that change. Anything that's got to be done to that end has to be done way ahead of an election cycle. But now we're here and now we're talking about the 2022 midterm election. It's going to be crucial for the House and Senate. I'll tell you, Kathy, another thing on the on the weekend, I, I remember um, General McInerney actually came out and spoke about what happened in Georgia. He said they had the proof that the two Senate races in Georgia, which nobody's talking about by the way, because the elections were not fixed or the machines or the way they count the votes, that they were indeed stolen. They seen the same thing happen with the with the stealing of elections, which is how they got those two candidates that many people would suggest are Marxists or have a hard, hard uh, left agenda who would, would have never won in a red state like Georgia. He pointed that out on Viewpoint and said, that's part and parcel of the problem, Malcolm. And if we didn't fix that election, those special elections, if we don't fix 2022, we're going to have the same result. Let's talk about that right now with the states. And you're representing the state of Florida, exactly with Dominion, ES, and S. And Kathy, your, your, uh, tell folks, I, I think it's important also to tell them your position. How are you involved in this whole election cycle in the state of Florida? 
I got involved actually personally the week after November 3rd. I was just so incensed by everything I was uh, researching and reading about. So uh, through my research, how involved I, did you get, though, at that point? I mean, so after the last election, you were so incensed, you got involved. What is your role now in the state? What are you doing? Well, I've joined a group, a grassroots organization called Defend Florida. I'm the ambassador for that group for the state of Florida. Okay. And one of the things that they focus on is election integrity. So each county basically splits into committees under the umbrella of Defend Florida. And in my county, I head up the Election Integrity Committee, along with a, a few other people that are just as passionate. And we are have been working nonstop on this issue to bring awareness because people don't realize Dominion is so in the news, but only 18 of our 67 counties in Florida actually use Dominion. 18 the other, of the 67. That's correct. The other 49 are ESNS, which is a sister machine, operates the same way. And either one of them only needs to be uh, open to the internet for one split second, and they can be hacked in perpetuity, Malcolm. People don't realize how incredibly easy they are. And all of these supervisors of elections, and I have personally spoken with ours locally, they all are under the belief that if they are not hooked into the internet, they all have modems, mm -hmm. but they believe if they're not hooked into the internet, they're safe. The problem is they all are hooked into each other. So when they start communicating during these elections, if anyone has a sinister plot in any one county, it opens them all up. So we're yeah. sitting on a powder keg here. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of controversy about the point you just made, Kathy, after 2020. There was that was a real sticking point. They were you're right. They were trying to suggest that many of the machines were not connected to the Internet. Remember, that was a big national talking point, right? Yes, and it still is. And by right. the way, thank you so much for bringing attention to this, because so few people are really talking about it. They just figured, especially here in Florida, with Governor DeSantis having passed this great election integrity legislation. And I agree that it's great, but it does not address this issue of the machines. Well, Kathy, that's why I'm wondering. And I asked Laura, she did not know or had no, I mean, she's really um, a big voice as far as an activist goes. I mean, she's, she's a, a bit, uh, she's fearful is what the word I would use. She's uh, she puts it all out there. And I, it, that's why I thought, OK, maybe she could tell me something about the DeSantis administration and what they know or don't know. But even she didn't know. And I'm wondering now and I, I'm almost thinking we need to make it our business to be able to get DeSantis back on the program here and find out what do they really know about this and what are they doing? Because I am sure I am willing to bet, Kathy, there are some missing pieces here we may not know because I can't imagine for a minute that Governor DeSantis would allow these sort of shenanigans to go on in the state of Florida. So either we're missing some pieces here or he's got a plan in place because he's a no-nonsense American patriot. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but it also would make sense uh, if you were identifying President Trump in the same manner and look who he surrounded himself mm. with. Uh, I happen to know that the person that he appointed to be in charge of election integrity is the chairman of the Republican Party of Florida, Joe Gruders. 
And I'd love to get him on because I have written to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually sent out a notification that he was in charge and anybody who had information to add to their investigation about election fraud to contact him. Well, I did. And I've yet to hear a word back. Oh, so you tried it? Yeah, I was just going to say, could we get him on? Could we get to talk about it? Do you have any? You're not sure. You've tried. He doesn't reply, huh? Well, let's try. Let let me try again. Yeah, if you're willing yeah. to have him on here, Absolutely. I'd love to have him on here. Yes, we Absolutely. need to we need to flush this out for sure. And in answer to your question, by the mm-hmm. way, about how did all of this begin? Mm-hmm. This Malcolm started with the Cloward Piven movement that led to the Motor Voter Law that Bill Clinton signed in 1993. And the whole purpose behind that law was to create mass confusion. If you recall, this is when they opened it up in the uh, DMVs, the Department of Motor uh, Vehicles, where when people go in and they get their license, they automatically get uh, registered to vote. And uh, that actual act that was passed, that bill, Mm -hmm. also made it very easy to keep Deadwood, they call it, you know, people who have died and these these voter rolls do not get cleaned up. So that is another focus of attention that we really have to. And that uh, was through the Clinton administration. That is correct. Yeah. Isn't it sort of uh, I, I don't think it's too ironic, Kathy, that. It's always, you know, you have to think, I start to think as a patriot, as an American, why is it that a lot of these election quandaries always uh, seem to be on the watch of the left, uh, where they are doing things? It's like, I get the feeling, Kathy, sometimes, actually quite a bit, that my sense is that they believe that they are probably unable to win elections. And I'm, I'm not just being a partisan when I say this, I'm being an American, but I do question this. Are they afraid? Let me ask it as a question rather than a statement, because I, I believe it could be accurate. But are they afraid that they may not be able to win elections fair and square with middle America? Meaning, why all the games all the time when it comes to just a, you know, really the overhaul of our election system and our election system to be the picture of democracy in the world is is a laughing stock. And I talked about this back after 2020. We're a joke all around the world when it comes to the way we ridiculed and the way we've handled our election. We, we're not the picture of freedom and democracy when it comes to what's happening with our election systems. And especially since a lot of these electronic systems and voting systems, Kathy, were tied to overseas countries. There were other organizations around the world that were playing in our elections. That's been stated and that's been proven. So you wonder why, when you mention Clinton as a valid point, and now you mention, and, and we see, you know, just a lot of funny laws. Like you see the Obama, remember they changed the law on propaganda and made that just perfectly good and opened up. And then you see they're fighting against all the elections. Now, doesn't it make you wonder? Absolutely. But their ultimate agenda, is Malcolm, what? is what? Is to have a one party system in perpetuity. That is what they're driving at. They don't care whether or not they don't think they can win or not. That's not the point. The point is they want to win in perpetuity so that we are reduced to a one-party system country. That's their ultimate goal. And they've, they don't really hide that, by the way, mm-hmm. yeah. at all. Well, that's t- that gets tied to the globalist movement. It gets tied to the bigger picture. And then you've got outside forces with the inside forces. 
But I just wonder why uh, not every American can see that the writing is on the wall here when it comes to election, why it's so controversial. And the worst part about it, Kathy, is the lies told by the media. Again, it's always our biggest problem. It's the go-to problem we have because if they would get any level of truth out about what we're talking about, and if they really looked at the evidence, you know, I've seen reports this past week, Kathy, by the way, and I've seen reports steadily over the past many months as I read them all the time, suggesting that from the media now and from the leftist media that there was no fraud in 2020, that they always kind of poke at it like, well, Trump and his posse think there were, but obviously there wasn't, it's their illusion. And these people are still have not woken up because they don't want to wake up. So they're part of the problem, a big part of the, probably the central part of the problem, because we can't seem to get the American people to understand the, uh, the, the validity of what we're talking about here, Kathy. And until we do that, I think we're at a point of, of real trouble. And if we can't wake people up to what's really happening here and how they're you know, constantly trying to fudge the rules of the, the left for elections. I mean, even a simple idea I just told people is controversial, is it not? Yes, and here's a very interesting point that uh, Lauren did not bring up, but I, I want to because this is what listeners need, need to understand. Okay. The topic that Chris Krebs, and this is what got me motivated to the point of forming this grassroots movement, the Purple Finger Voter Movement, but yeah. I'll tell you what, they replaced Chris Krebs with a, uh, his right-hand man uh, under uh, the, the CISA, he, he was second in command and he believed exactly the same way that Chris Krebs believed. But here was the topic at the convention. And remember, the convention is really uh, uh, most of the people there are Republicans. So how could they let this go? Here's the topic. Misinformation, disinformation and rumor control. Wow. That's what. Wow. Ex- wow. That's what made the the hair in the back of my neck stand with, up. With, with the key speaker being Chris Krebs. That's correct. With, with, the, with being the guy that came out and said this was the most secure in American history. Precisely. Wow, wow, wow. Incredible, isn't it? And the topic hasn't changed. If you go to their website now, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the FSE, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Florida Supervisor of Elections, go to their that website, look at the agenda. And you'll see all the people speaking, of course, Dominion and the ESNS are, are one. But yes, now it's Matt Masterson. So I did a little research on him and he is almost worse. He does actual training for large companies on misinformation, disinformation and rumor control. When we were speaking at the top of the program with Matt Brainard uh, here from Look Ahead America, the the group that he's executive director of here, um, he even was concerned. Didn't wasn't there communications your group had with him? Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, once I launched this movement, I did so about three weeks ago. They Laura Luber reached out to me uh, after seeing it, and so did. Matt Brainerd's group. And I was so appreciative that they did because we all need to unite. This is such a serious issue. But yeah, uh, look ahead, uh, America. 
uh, one of the reps, his his main rep here in Florida, Wendy, she's been, we've been going back and forth and they've been a tremendous help. And that's what Americans need to do. Just put it out there and they will come. And we certainly did have a great turnout yesterday. We're not done. We're keeping the pressure on Alinsky tactic number eight. And we will be there today at, through Thursday. So any Floridians must come. They're having it at the Marriott Hotel, Marriott Waters, and you'll see us there. We've got to keep the pressure on these people. We've got to get the voter rolls cleaned up. We've got to keep the pressure on these machines because there's no way. I don't care if every single voter in Florida shows up to the polls, Republicans. It doesn't matter. With these machines, they'll find one more vote. Yeah, well, it's a valid point because uh, a lot of uh, uh, old uh, classic Republicans, I'll call them, uh, and a lot of rhinos, but a lot of Republicans, period, they keep turning their attention to just getting out the vote. But your point is, you got to be real. If you don't have the right system in there, it doesn't matter how many you get out to vote. If their motive is to operate and steal it in any way, shape, or form, uh, that, that becomes the bigger problem. They're going to do it. They're going to take it here. Tell us, Kathy, about the Purple Finger Voter Movement. It's a tongue twister, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good one. Thank you. Um, well, I base that on uh, the fact that we know in Afghanistan and Iraq, when we basically presented the scenario where those people could get back their right to vote, they had no voter ID cards. They had no driver's licenses that could prove that they had voted. So they were very creative. They stuck their fingers in an inkwell of purple ink. We all remember those images that came out back in 04 and, and back then. So I thought, you know what? The left keeps harping, the Democrats keep harping on how we're taking the minorities' votes away because we're demanding IDs. Well, guess what? That's not going to stop us. We will dip our fingers in purple ink if that's what it takes. And that's the whole idea behind the movement. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting movement. And it does rally back to a lot of the photographs and videos of, you're so right, of elections around the world in the Middle East when they come out of the air. It was sort of a proud moment when they had purple, the finger, right? The purple finger. Well, yes. And many of them risked lives and limbs. There, there were so many fingers that were cut off. This is what people in other countries, the lengths to which they will go to ensure election integrity. And we have got to understand first that we have a problem. Yeah. So I've been getting roadblock after roadblock since November from Republican leaders in my own county. Mm -hmm. And I've visited the SOE. I've been making a lot of noise, but I'm looked at like a conspiracy theorist. And right. there's so much evidence out there. We've got to wake up, mm -hmm. Malcolm. Kathy, this idea of the Purple Finger Voter Movement, I, I'm really fascinated with it. Now, was this your brainchild or someone else's? It was mine. Well, I mean, it's remarkable. And, and when Loomer heard about it, she liked it and jumped on the wagon. Is that what happened? Uh, yes, definitely. And it's interesting because when I first came out with it, I, I gathered all the flag waving groups here, of course, you know, and that's what local politics is all about. We've got these groups that have uh, formed and organized so well since right. two, 2016, really. Right. And now we need to use them in a way that helps us 
yeah. with election integrity. But so many people I talked to when I first came out with this concept really kind of thought it was a, a dumb idea with the purple finger because they didn't understand it. But the whole intrigue mm-hmm. has really generated a yeah. lot of movement and, and, and interest and education. So uh, I'm very proud of that, actually, Malcolm. And yes, Laura picked right up on it. And also Matt Brainerd did as well. Yeah, I think I'm. Yeah, I think it was a brilliant idea, uh, the Purple Finger Voter Movement, because it, it, it. What well, to me, it harpens back to remind Americans the importance of voting. It reminds people of the uh, the stakes of liberty, where freedom is so essential, and yet others around the world are starving for it, Kathy. And you you see those images in your mind, and you rem- you just know that when people come up with that purple finger and they're in the Middle East somewhere. And that happens. It was like this big moment of democracy on the, you know what I mean? On the, at the moment, it was like, wow, Mm -hmm. like that really was happening in that country. And so I think it was a brilliant move to bring us back to the simple fundamental values here in America that, well, all right. So, and maybe that's the answer back to the left, Kathy, in a a sort of way. Well, if you don't want a voter ID, how about we make it mandatory uh, that you have a purple finger? That's (laughs) right. Exactly. How do you think that would go over? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure right? like a lead balloon to them. But it is yeah. the point. It does drive the point home. And it needs to wake up all of our that very thing that you just said, Malcolm, about people over in third world countries risking yeah. their lives to vote. Yeah. So how many times have you heard from Americans that the vote, the election was stolen? Mm-hmm. And yet when a movement like this, I hope, I'm praying that it takes off and grows in other states because our turnout was good. But for what this really boils down to, the streets of Tampa should have been flooded. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I, I got to ask you one thing uh, in closing here on the uh, purple finger. How long does it take for that purple stuff to come off? Well, I've still got mine on from yesterday and I've already showered and washed my hands several times. <laughs> so like, does it stay on for days or do you know? Yeah, it it, it does. Um, I did see somebody yesterday who had been there the day before and she she was able to get hers off. And I asked her, how'd you do that? But it is uh, pretty staining. So but that, it's that, you know, it, it makes for a great conversation. People are talking about it all over now. Yeah, I, I think it was a brilliant idea. And I, I, uh, I commend you, uh, Kathy, for uh, coming up with it. I think it's terrific. Uh, it, it's a it's a process. It's thinking outside of the box a little bit, which is a beautiful thing. And it brings attention to something that is so vital and so critical and so American. Uh, which is our elections. I mean, what's more important than that and the integrity and honesty of a, of a fair election? You know, we've come to a point now in our country where we're talking about the basic fundamentals and how va- valid and uh, valuable, important they are to our nation when it comes to the power of the vote, uh, the power of that one vote and how American that is when liberty is at stake. And there's nothing more important or more American than what we're talking about right now, the integrity of election. I think all too often we take, uh, we've taken our elections for granted and we've taken the idea of voting for granted in our country. Just look oftentimes at the turnout of elections and how many people actually do vote. A lot of people just leave it to others to handle. They, they say they don't want to get involved in it or whatever. But, you know, as always, uh, you know, you, you either get involved in these things or people will get you involved because they'll control your life. 
Uh, that's the difference here. And that's why the power of elections are so important and the power of that single vote. And we should all have the power to vote in any way that we wish and any way that uh, our minds are there. And, you know, we the people, it's whatever the, uh, the uh, consensus believes is what should happen. It's what our representatives in our state should do for the Electoral College and in our representative republic. And that's what should uh, be the result, whether it's a uh, presidential election or a local election. And you know, by the way, all elections are local. It does start at the grassroots. And you've been hearing that a lot lately, by the way. You, you've heard, uh, we've had some powerful people on in recent days and weeks talking about what Kathy was just saying. So in any event, my friends, we need to stay on it. We need to stay on it. The power of elections, the power of the vote. Uh, and it, to, this has got to be a real rallying call for our uh, network, our platform, uh, and for all Americans here. And we will stay on it here and fight for the sanctity of every vote here. We cannot have another repeat of 2020. That should never happen again in our country where people leave there unsatisfied that there was a, a fair a day or fair election. That shouldn't be the case. And, and believe me, millions and millions and millions, many millions of Americans. Americans know that 2020 was a farce. It, it was absolutely a horrible one for the record book. And it's a sad day in America when that happens. So a big thank you here to, well, Laura Loomer, Kathy Chamberlain right up here, and, and also Matt Brainerd uh, was up top of the program there. Uh, let's stay close. And we've got a lot going on there. Back to the platform here. My fellow Americans, thank you for being with us on the mission here. It's time. Uh, to get involved and get loud.